1: Oh. Good morning. It is time to get up with what could be the day of reckoning. Any moment now, we expect word on the fate of what might be college football's best team, and we're ready with complete coverage. Meanwhile, wait till you hear why Dan says the D in Big D will once again stand for disappointment. And then, oh, it's a Hollywood tearjerker. Insult and injury on the same day. Is LeBron in over his head just two weeks into the season? All that, a whole lot more. Let's go. It's a Thursday. Squad that we got working here today. Jam packed we are. We got a get ton of so basketball.
2: Let's go,
3: man. Let's go. All
1: right, we got a lot to do today. All right. We're going to hear what Harry's got in, and we'll talk about that a little bit later this morning. And trust me, but we got tons of basketball to get to this morning, and we will. We got all the NFL conversation, and we'll get to that. But first and foremost, today is a huge day, and Paul and Heather are here to cover what could be. A changing day in college football as we know it. The commissioner of the Big Ten expected to make a decision today on a potential punishment for Michigan's coach Jim Harbaugh in the sign stealing scandal that has completely rocked college football. Yesterday, the university sent a 10 page letter to the Big Ten. Warning the commissioner, Tony Petiti about overstepping his authority and rushing to judgment. Late last night, a spokesperson for Michigan released this statement, quote, We remain steadfast in our conviction that due process matters. Like all members of the Big Ten Conference, we are entitled to a fair, deliberate, and thoughtful process to determine the full set of facts before judgment is made. We continue to fully cooperate with the NCAA and the Big Ten regarding this matter. So everyone here will be in on this story because it has such far-reaching implications. And Paul will come to you, but Heather, will start with you. For those who don't know Heather's work, no one is more connected on this story than she is. And so, Heather, I'll start with you. Bring everyone up to the minute on everything we need to know as we await the word from the conference commissioner.
0: Well, Greeny, the conference commissioner is not at the college football playoff meetings in Dallas where all of his commissioner peers are because he has some other things to attend to. and. What's going on right now is Michigan's letter, the 10-page letter that it sent back urging due process. One source told ESPN that Michigan is not bringing a knife to a gunfight on this. So there's also Michigan state legislatures, lawmakers, who have also told Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petitti to urge him to follow due process. Now, there are two separate things going on here. The NCAA is doing its own investigation. My understanding is that the Big Ten has not initiated its own investigation. It's relying on information it has gathered from the NCAA in part and following other reports that have come out. But the sense is that the Big Ten has enough information to prove that Michigan broke its sportsmanship policy by illegally stealing signs that my sources are telling me that no evidence has come through yet that shows Jim Harbaugh knew about this or orchestrated it, but the Big Ten will point to the NCAA rule that says even if a head coach doesn't know about it, he is responsible for the actions of his staff. Michigan is expected to really push back on this and they are working with a pricey law firm in DC to have some legal action if needed. Yeah,
1: so uh, so many things in that that I feel are important. Ignorance of the law is not a defense. Let's start with that. So whether Harbaugh knew or he didn't know, the judgment is it's his job to know, and he's responsible for it anyway. Now, those who will say that that they're pushing back, what are they I'm going to use the term veiled threats because as I read it, that's the way I read what the Michigan letter sounded like to me. How would you explain what it is that the Michigan letter suggested to the Big Ten commissioner that they may be willing to do in the event that due process is not shown here?
0: Well, Greeny, I can't say if they threaten legal action in that letter or not, but there's certainly language in the Big Ten's sportsmanship policy that is up for debate. And that's a sportsmanship policy that has not been rewritten since 2013. It's pretty vague. So if there was a way to push back on it, I'm sure that they could poke some holes in a document that hasn't been changed for that long. But also just the question of whether or not Harbaugh is responsible for this, I think that's something that they could push back on too.
1: The other piece of it, and again, what I meant by that, when I, when I read their letter, it sounded to me like they were saying, if you come down on us here, we know things about other schools as well. This may be far more prevalent than the world thinks it is, and we're ready to bring that to light. We're ready to bring a lot of dirty laundry to this party if you aren't careful with your action. That's, that's me paraphrasing, to be clear, but that is the way I read that.
0: Yes. No, you're, you're right. And that's why Michigan brought up earlier the fact that they, they allege that Ohio State and Rutgers colluded against Michigan in last year's Big Ten championship by Ohio State giving Purdue the offensive signals for Michigan and Rutgers giving them the defensive signals. That was part of an early step forward in that strategy.
1: For what it's worth, Michigan blew out Purdue in that game anyway. So uh, we don't know just how valuable this stuff is or isn't, but that isn't what's at stake here anyway. All right, uh, let's clear the decks for this. And, Sir Paul, we will start with you. There is no one whose voice, I think, resonates more loudly in the world of college football. As we await this word from the Big Ten today, what are you thinking right now?
2: Well, I'm thinking that Tony Petiti, the commissioner, and he's only been on the job a short period of time, is in one of the most unique and perilous positions I have ever seen a college administrator in. He literally uh, is trying to avoid a civil war within his own league. And he, he's not also going to be bullied, Greeny. It's one thing to threaten lawsuits, but when you get involved with, you know, 10 or 11 uh, state legislatures, I don't think Tony Petitti gives two rips about some hack legislature in in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, he's going to make a decision based on what he thinks is in the best interest. And, and I think if he caves in, he's, he, he sets a precedent, go ahead and do whatever you want, I'm not going to do anything, and we all know the NCAA is not. So I, I still believe he's going to make a statement, and I think that statement is coming soon. And I think most people believe that he is going to look at Michigan and say, you should have known, even if the the evidence doesn't directly link Jim Harbaugh, therefore we are going to act, therefore a suspension of one game, two games, or whatever. I I would just ask
1: you, though, then, Paul, is there some concern for you that this would be creating a precedent where, for lack of a better way of putting it, an angry mob can create this kind of situation at any time in any conference with any program?
2: It is a concern, Greeny, but on the other hand, let's let's not get due process uh, all hung up on what the commissioner is doing. He simply suspends. If, if he suspends Harbaugh, he's simply saying, "I am keeping you out of the game as this continues." Uh, he's not sanctioning him for life. He's not uh, co- he's not taking Michigan out of a championship run. And I think I think you, you have to look at that distinction here. People people hear things in uh, on TV up and down the, the dial and think this that the same rules apply to one place that that apply to another. This is a, a man who has, who, who has to go by his policy, but he also has to show leadership and run this league, and he can't be concerned that Michigan is responding, hey, well, we may have done it, but so did they. I mean, I think we got over that in grade school, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. Some of us have never
1: quite gotten over it, though, Paul. <laughs> a whole different way of putting it. All right, both of you stay close, because I will probably need insight from both of you as I bring it here to the table. I mean, Dan and Harry in particular, you both cover the college game for us regularly and have for a long time. So, Dan, I'll start with you as we see all of this unfolding. Oh, by the way, did I mention that they play Penn State this week? Michigan plays Penn State this week. Then they have Maryland. Then they have Ohio State. So we're talking about the two monster games on their schedule and then the week after that potentially the Big Ten championship if they get there. What's the number one thing in your mind right now?
4: Uh, Obviously something happened. It was Michigan the only one. That, that's the, the, the biggest kind of thought over all of this is there, there was something that went down when it came to rule breaking, unwritten rule breaking. Was Michigan the only school? Because if Michigan's the only school, then this is a completely different conversation. And to Michigan's point, or at least in their letter, they're implying that they're not. Paul Feinbaum said something interesting when he said, make the best this decision of the best in the best interest. Right. Best interest of who and or what. You know, that's for Rapatiti. The decision for, of the best interest is, is it going to be in your conscience? Like, hey, you did something that wasn't right, or the best interest of Michigan, the best interest of the conference? Like, that's going to be the most kind of uh, pinpoint moment for me is, if a decision gets made, is that decision made because, you know what, we will give a one-game suspension to Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> wow, that's really going to hinder the program. Right. And slap it on the wrist. Or Because then that's the best interest of the, the, the program and the best interest of the conference, if right. we are being candid. Or is it going to say, no, you, ma- you made a-, a mistake, you broke rules, and the decision is going to be um, a heavy fine and a suspension, a takeaway of scholarship and a suspension, because then that's the best, best interest of setting a precedent of, Rule-breaking.
1: Right. And, and But it obviously would be coming down very hard on what is one of the two flagship programs of the Big Ten. That's conference. not the best
4: interest of the, of the conference, then.
1: It, it may not be. And, and so that's Tony Petiti is weighing all these different things. You said something in our meeting this morning that really struck me, Harry, which is you were talking about how, particularly when you were in the NFL, this kind of thing is commonplace. Huh. Now, the difference here, and I hear you lying. I'll come to you in a minute on, on what you told us. <laughs> But, but the difference here, of course, is that the use of videotaping the uh, equipment is what makes this over the line. Stealing signals is commonplace. But how important is this? Let's just say we're living in a world yep. where Michigan has stolen these signals. How much of an advantage, how much of a competitive advantage is that for a football team?
5: It's a small advantage. And D.O., you know this, right? The teams that I played on, we was in no huddle offense started games out in it, right? And that was our MO, that's one of the things that we did very, very well. Well, some of the coaches that I had, our mindset was, okay, we're gonna change some of our signals, I have double signals, but at the same time, the team that we're playing against, they have to stop it. You have a blink of an eye and when you have an opportunity to stop what the opposing team is doing. And if you're not correct, then you're not just correct. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in, oh my God, this team is still in signs. People forget how short of a time period you have to make a decision yeah. to stop a play. Mm-hmm. Take That's a blink that. of an eye. Take
1: yeah. me through what you were telling us. Your job was when you were the backup quarterback in Detroit.
4: Yeah, I mean, we I would know the signals of defensive coordinators. We would we would know what their hand signals were because we would play no huddle football, and I would stand on the sideline often and I would see the defensive coordinator signal into the defense, and I would go, hey, they're gonna to be in cover, too, and there comes pressure. And we Wait, go
1: through this mostly. Give me an idea of what that would look like. What is the difference? I mean, any,
4: it's almost like a baseball hand signal. They, yeah. There could be a, a touch of the hat or a, a wipe of the chest or, you know, any type of it, it's, it's some type of nonverbal signal, and I would know their signals, and I would sit there and go, oh, okay, it's going to be this type of defense, and I would tell our play caller, and then our play caller, we would run no huddle football. And then here was the, the counter to it, Greenie. Then defenses realized, okay, like, they, they know what we have, and then they would give us dummy signals, mm-hmm. just like in baseball. So then I'd go, hey, coach, it's going to be cover three, and they're going to blitz, and all of a sudden I'd be like, well, it wasn't cover three, and then all of a sudden that plan is away. So, like, that's one of my points here, and I tweeted this out the other day. Like, if you as a coach know that the other team knows your signals, then huddle up <laughs> or change it. Like, Peyton Manning was the king of this. Peyton And T.J. Watt has talked about this. Listening to the broadcast, they would hear the cadence or the verbal stuff from quarterbacks at the line of scrimmage, and they would study it, so Peyton would then, Lie to the defense mm-hmm. by using those same things,
1: and then change the play call. But I want to make it clear: what you, some might listen to what you're saying and push back by saying, "So they're cheating, so I'm going to adjust what I'm doing because I know they're cheating." Isn't it wasn't the easier answer to be? Teams should not be cheating. I'm trying to get a better handle cheating? here.
4: It's not cheating if you are outwardly um, outwardly sharing information to your team.
1: It's, the, it's then my kind of responsibility to do whatever I can to win. I, I understand that. The, the, once again, that was how I viewed this when we began. And yet, there were very specific rules in place, whether we all think they make sense or not, about whether you can videotape them and then maintain them over the course of time rather than stealing them as a game is going on. I get it. it. All this it's a be distinction be without it. How could it be If you prevented? just
5: put the radios in the helmets. Yes. Okay, yeah, they
1: are. Or don't if, have you them.
4: <laughs> if, you <laughs> if you just huddle. If you just huddle, all these. Part of the the culture of college football is, like, let's run 100 snaps a game. And the last thing I'd say about the competitive advantage, because I know we want to get Kimberly in here. I want to be respectful to that. So you mean to tell me it's cool that some of these schools can call other schools and or their players and say, we will give you X amount of dollars to come to our school and leave that school, and we have more money. So that's not a competitive advantage.
1: But me knowing if you're going to blitz is? I hear you. All I'm saying is, I didn't make up the rules. (laughs) These are the rules, and if they're breaking them, that's a whole separate conversation. I actually am on your side. Logically, I hear what you are saying. Kmart, jump in here.
6: So within this conversation, I'm fascinated from the NFL standpoint of what happens to Harbaugh's future. Does Harbaugh, depending on how this all shakes out, does he view the NFL as a safe harbor? Does the NFL look at Harbaugh and think, you know what, there are a lot of teams that are going to need head coaches in this upcoming offseason? season? Our teams gonna look at Harbaugh and say, you know what, depending on how this shakes out, we might go after him. This is a guy who hasn't coached in the NFL since I think 2014 when they went to the Super Bowl. I, I just wonder when you're thinking, when you're another team looking at John, Har- Jim Harbaugh, do you think this guy just wants somewhere to go? If college football is no longer safe for him, and is that what you would want for your organization in the
1: NFL? It's worth reminding the audience that he was suspended for the first three games of this season. That was a self-imposed suspension by the university in advance of an NCAA investigation that itself is still going on. So that we have all these things going on on parallel tracks. Very quickly, I'm running up the rundown. We're here. staying on this. Artie, our producer, Artie Dolan. I'm sorry, he's pulling out. Well, if he had hair, he'd be pulling it out. But anyway, let's. Heather and Paul, I want to come back to you first on this question. Okay. Because I saw, I'll give credit uh, to our, our, our radio show on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio every morning. They had a topic bar on the screen that I saw asking the question, if Michigan wins the national championship this year, would that title be tainted? Now, before I let you answer, let me put some numbers up on the screen. Okay. I'm going to
4: destroy the screen. Either. Fair
1: enough. I'm just putting <laughs> the numbers on the screen. I will let you destroy whatever you would like. <coughs> Jim Harbaugh, and, and Paul pointed this out, Jim Harbaugh, after the um, pandemic-shortened season was a man in serious jeopardy of losing his job. And you see the numbers there, he was 49 and 22. That's a good record, it's certainly not great. He had never beaten Ohio State, he had never made the playoff. Since that time, he has lost three games in three seasons. Made the playoff both years. Won the Big Ten championship both years. Beaten Ohio State handily both times. And you look at the margin of victory they have per game. They have become a dominant Mm -mm. football program. Some will look at that, Paul Feinbaum, and say, that seems a little too coincidental not to be suspicious. What do you think?
2: I, I, I don't think it's coincidental. I think it's, it's exactly what you see. Uh, when this started, he started winning again. And back to the question you asked me, Greeny, do I think it will be tainted? Yes, I do, in the strongest possible language. I, I, I frankly would put an asterisk by Michigan if they win the national championship. I think it will be, be that bogus based on what I believe. I, I'm not saying I know what I believe.
1: Okay, fair enough.
2: there's one strong opinion. Danny, go.
4: In the last three years... Michigan has had 11, 11 day one and day two NFL draft picks. The only teams to have more are Bama, Georgia, and Ohio State. So you can sit here and say, well, there's been an improvement when it comes to wins and losses because potentially this, or maybe they just got really good talent-wise. Maybe that's part of the reason why, is because the talent has, recruitment-wise, drastically improved. And they had... Aiden Hutchinson and Dax Hill and D.J. Turner and Maz- Mazi Smith as defensive draft picks that were first rounders. So, mm-hmm. w- I, it's not tainted for me. I, I think this, like honestly, the more I think about this, this feels like a giant witch hunt. It really does. I, I think there are a lot. That,
1: look, so
6: you're I seeing the dichotomy of it. Whatever side you you sit on, you will find reasons to say this is a witch hunt, or you will say no. Look at the look at those stats. They are much better as a team, more dominant since they started, do, you know, decent well, practices. Well, you like, look
5: I at the you'll 2023 you'll team right now. They have nine guys on their team that's going to play on NFL teams next year.
1: beating the doors like, off teams. And you told me this
5: morning. Tell everyone what you told me in the meeting this morning.
1: You have been in the building for two of their games this year. Tell me what you told everybody.
5: Listen, I will tell you this. Michigan, in my opinion, is the most complete team in college football. In Georgia, them in Georgia. Yeah. Michigan is the most complete dominant football team I've seen Ohio State in person. Twice, I've seen Penn State. Clearly, Michigan, in my opinion, is better than both of those football teams. And I look at the first nine games of the year, right? They have outscored their opponents. 366 to 60, you're going to tell me that a sign-stealing scandal allowed that to happen, that they wouldn't be able to be East Carolina, UNL, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana, Michigan State, and Purdue? Yeah. No, but that's the point. But their strength of schedule is like 100-and-something in the agree, country. You know what's the interesting to get? Penn, I, 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 so why would we put an asterisk there?
1: beside them if they win a national championship? Well, that's because now they got to beat Penn State and Ohio State and maybe Georgia and somebody else. And that would become the question. Let me give Heather I, – I, I would love to do this for three hours, but we're going to run out of time. Heather, jump in here.
0: <laughs> one point to answer your question on that, Greeny. There was one school that I was not able to confirm Connor Stallions was at to scout, and that was TCU.
1: Okay. Ooh. And let's hold on. let's all that let, that let, let, let,
0: let's let that settle in.
1: Let's all let that settle in. TCU beat, beat Michigan – in the national semifinals last year in a great game, and then lost to Georgia, if I remember correctly, 106 to nothing, right? I mean, it was, it was something like that, right? So, I mean, just let that settle in. These are the facts. We're not telling you we know who did what or how much it mattered or whatever it is, but what you hear there is the dichotomy. Is it a witch hunt? Is it mm-hmm. tainted? Mm-hmm. There are people who are see themse- both ways. Are they by themselves? Those are all the questions. Tony Petiti will hopefully provide answers. Well, we know he's going to provide some answers. And the moment he does, we will have full coverage here. In the meantime, so much more to get to. Wait till you hear why Dan says the D in Big D this year is destined once again to stand for disappointment. Plus, what the actual heck is going on with LeBron's Lakers? Is it already time to panic after a day of both injury and insult? It's on the way, it's Get Up on ESPN. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Get up is brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone with AutoZone. Hey, Monica, Alan, can we take a, just a quick look at Anthony Edwards? Just, how do you describe this? Show me something. Oh, I love the Alan Edwards. Oh,
3: oh, and one. Okay. Hey. Oh, that's M1. The whole thing from the spin. I mean, you need you need somebody. You need a hype man on the court talking about this play while it's happening. I got one more. Give me some. Oh. Okay, oh. Okay. Anthony Edwards has all the star potential. I mean, he he's pay. got all uh. of this to be like one of the big stars in the league. Will he? Can he do it in Minnesota? That's Including funny. the mentality. Uh, coming up, talk about a
1: fumble. Did you hear what the coach of the Jets had to say when asked about benching his quarterback? He wasn't the only coach who dropped the ball at the microphone. You'll hear it all as we get up on ESPN. Must be
4: 21-plus
2: and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
1: All right, we are back on Get Up. Tons more football to come, but it was a very big night around the NBA and a very bad day and night for the Lakers. On the same day that they lose Anthony Davis to injury, stop me if you've heard that before, the Lakers then went and got blown out by the Rockets. Lakers are now three and five on the season. All those roads, losses, excuse me, have come on the road. But I want to give you a sense of just how badly the Lakers have been starting games. The Lakers, first off, are last in the league in three point shooting. They are the first team in NBA history to make fewer threes and have a worse three point percentage than their opponent in each of the first eight games of a season. And yet they've managed to get to three and five because LeBron James continues to be a top five player in this league despite his age and his experience. But at some point, and we talked about this right when the season was beginning, how much can you ask of this man at this stage of his career, Davis down again? Is it uh-oh time for LeBron's Lakers?
7: I'm not going to say uh-oh, and I know that we were tossing around the word patient, so I looked up some synonyms. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. I got understanding. I got persevering. I got mild-tempered, right? To your point, as you started the segment, Greenie, this is commonplace when it comes to Anthony Davis. Unfortunately, but it is what it is. And so I think going into this season, LeBron James is fully aware of that. Your comment from last week haunts me about him running out of gas a little bit in the postseason. However, if there's anybody that I'm going to trust, it would be LeBron James. And the facts are... This team is minus 87 in the non-LeBron James play minutes. They don't really have a choice.
3: Yeah, that's ugly. And, again, not having Anthony Davis, I think I've done the PSA already on him. Yeah, We don't have to go there anymore. (laughs) But right now what you're seeing is a team that doesn't have the same urgency it had at the end of last season when they had to make the play-in. They were going downhill, so he had to do everything for them, and he was otherworldly like he always is. You're not getting that right now, and what you're getting instead is Dylan Brooks is Hans Gruber, you know, in <laughs> Die Hard, right? Because yeah. he's now just playing the villain, and there's LeBron. It's John McClain, like, here we go again. Yippee-ki-yay, right? But it's <laughs> early in the season. It's not time for this right now for him. What we worry about is, though, he'll have to do so much to get them to a play-in or playoff spot that will he, like we saw in the playoffs last year, fourth quarter's come, and the
1: battery is... All right, so what did I miss a meeting? I mean, this was supposed to be a team that was much deeper, yeah. had so many yeah. more options, They've had, had
3: added 3 points. has been out. they yeah. missed him. Obviously, now Anthony Davis, who's done a lot of things. Especially, they got killed on the boards last night. Him not being in the game was a huge part of that. So it, it just is clearly they aren't whole yet. But they also, I don't think the urgency is there yet. But get us to the second half of the season, it will be. They are playing a lot of home games now. They are 3-0 at home. They're 0-5 on the road. They are going to play some home games now. They should get right. They just need to be around 500.
7: Yeah, they got to get healthy, obviously. That's the secret sauce for any successful team. But I do think, Greeny, what was maybe uh, the optimistic side was this idea that you had that core that you did see become urgent last season come March. Still sort of in place. You got all these young guys. So here's the thing. All these guys, Russell, Wood, Reeves, all these guys, if y'all taking this leap, now's the time to do it.
1: All right, so they're a bit of a mess. Let's go through a bunch of other things that we saw. Monica, you were on the call last night for Victor Wembanyama here in New York, struggling in his debut at Madison Square Garden. Wasn't always pretty. You wouldn't expect it always to be from rookies. But we start at the Garden. Wembanyama shooting 4 of 14 from the floor, finished with just 14 points. Knicks blew out the Spurs, 126-105. We'll have more on that game and Wembanyama a little later. But I want to focus on these two notes in Philly. The new look Sixers right now have the best record in the Eastern Conference. They beat the Celtics last night by 3. Joel Embiid 27 points, 10 boards. Tyrese Maxey spectacular, 25 and 9. Again, the Sixers are the best in the East. They did that just down the road from where James Harden was, back in Brooklyn, another of his former teams. He was booed every time he touched the ball last night. He had 12 points in 36 minutes. The fans were chanting Daryl Morey Adam. And they lost to the Nets 100 to 93. They're 0 2 with Harden in the lineup. And so one cannot help but look at that confluence of circumstances and ask the question are the Sixers better without James Harden? Yeah. This is, I mean. Say it.
7: it. Say it. Is water wet? Yes. Yes. The Sixers Thank are better you. without yeah. James Harden, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Dan. Stay over there. Yeah, uh, Addition by <laughs> 100%. subtraction. hundred percent. Absolutely. Is. And this is, this is not to say, and I was, I sat with you all season, Greeny, and I gave James Harden his due for shifting his role. However, he had become a major distraction to start the season. Tyrese Maxey has just eight turnovers in seven games. His efficiency is off the charts. They've got an entire organization now pulling in the same direction.
3: Well, that's part of it. And the other part of it is that they're more fun. They're more fun to watch. They're more fun to play with. This is better for the health of their relationship with Joel Embiid. Because let's keep in mind, moving James Harden also opened up a lot of cap space, which everybody around the league now will watch and see. Do I like the vibe in Philly now? Because I might want to be part of that. So it doesn't mean that this is the final iteration of whatever this process 2.0 or 3.0 is. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that now James Harden, all the talk about he's not happy, he's going to want to go somewhere else, that's over now. They gave Maxie the ball, and while Maxie is... More efficient, but also playing faster. They're they're at the 12th fastest pace right now in the league. Last year, fourth slowest. So you play faster it's more fun. Tobias Harris gets to eat more because he's better in in pace. Oubre, who they picked up, way better in pace. So those are players that matter. But what Maxi, also understands is while now I have a green light, I also know i got to feed the beast. And he makes sure Embiid gets the ball. He's making more passes to Embiid this season so far than Harden did last year. All right, so we will keep an eye on all that. By the way,
1: quickly, can we just tilt this camera down a little bit? The the, the footwear on this squad is phenomenal. Both Monica and then give me Allen's kicks. Well, we're going to have, have to do a little I'm showdown, trying. all right? We're going to do a showdown. We're going to oh. do the football crew against the basketball
7: no, crew. let
1: <laughs> Because the shoes are Let's phenomenal. Let's do it! We win, Monica! Let's do it! Meanwhile, All right, we all oh, Meanwhile, my goodness. <laughs> NBA <laughs> in-season tournament doubleheader on Friday. Nets, Celtics, 7.30 Eastern. KD and the Suns hosting LeBron and the Lakers. Coverage starts with countdown 7 Eastern on ESPN and the app. The tournament has been terrific so far, so we look forward to the action tomorrow night. Okay, back to the NFL. We're going to do a coach's edition of Sound Off here. It's a special edition because two different coaches just couldn't get out of their own way verbally talking about their quarterback situation. Here's Matt Eberflus in Chicago providing an update, sort of, on Justin Fields.
3: He's not medically cleared to go um, right now, and uh, he's getting better though. I mean, he's—he's he's, uh, accuracy's improving. He's throwing it better, and you know, he's starting to do more and more and more. So uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes. And right now, we're listing him as doubtful, and uh, we'll see where it goes from there.
6: If is he, if he's doubt if he's not medically cleared, well, how come doubtful
3: versus out? Yeah, just to see. We got to give him one more day. Give him one more day. But he's—he's uh, he's working hard, and uh, it's getting better every day. So we'll see where it goes. He's not playing tomorrow. Yeah,
5: he's not
6: playing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I, 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 <laughs> what? what are we doing? What are we doing?
1: What? what? I mean, what, what? What
6: are we doing? What is
1: going on here? <laughs> I don't know. What, 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 that what, was. What?
6: You know what? As somebody who spends a lot of time in Cleveland, that actually reminded me of Kevin Stefanski talking about Deshaun Watson this whole offseason, this whole season with the, with the shoulder. That was by far worse. Because he started with, oh, we want to give him one more day. Yeah, we'll just got to say, oh, no, yeah, no, he's out. And, and that's literally, when the guys are doubtful, like they're not.
5: He's not <laughs> medically clear. <laughs> Sure. Right, he's, but he's
1: doubtful. He's doubtful. It's, and then going to give him better. one more day. By the way, just mercifully, because we like you wow. at home, we cut off about three quarters of that. That went on forever. Oh, really? oh he, he was, couldn't stop talking. And, it, yeah. it, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Dan, at the end of the day, it's over for Justin Fields in Chicago, right? One way or another, they have. Alre- you can just tell they have moved on.
4: Yeah, it's hard to envision Justin Fields as a Chicago Bear in 2024. He's going to come back from that injury that he's suffering right now and going, what, six games or seven games are going to be left? And the downside is the season started poorly, and then he started to play better, and then the injury happens. Mm-hmm. And if you're sh- he's going to have a, a six- or seven-week window to, to sh- say two things to Chicago. One, I should be a Bear. Next season, and then two, don't use that really early draft pick. That's probably going to be a top two or top three pick, not on a quarterback. And it's almost impossible, given the situation, to try to do that if you're Justin Fields. So it's, it's hard to see how he's a Bear next season.
5: It's, it's highly unlikely because when you look at the Chicago Bears, they have Carolina's pick. Which is looking like going to be the number one, one overall pick yeah. in the draft. And right? the Bears pick And they, is they have their pick. Which is They're going to have like two top, two top, top picks. five picks yeah. five in next six, year's yeah. draft. So, yeah. uh, my thing is, is I know Matt Uberfluss isn't going to be there next year. <laughs> right. But just hearing what I just heard and also the way that this team has been coached, uh, I think this team actually needs an offensive minded guy. Mm-hmm. You also can't draft a quarterback if that's what the Bears are going to decide to do and have a defensive-minded head coach and the same person that didn't develop Justin Fields Mm. still in there. You're going to have to bring in an offensive-minded guy that knows how to develop young quarterbacks.
6: Here's uh, what is unfortunate is this is exactly why I did not want Justin Fields to go to Chicago from the beginning, because this was an organization that has not shown it understands how to run an organization properly and develop quarterbacks properly and Justin Fields was a kid who needed time to develop he I don't think his future is going to be in Chicago it is not his fault they cannot have a coach on the hot seat again pick another quarterback that cannot happen
1: no we've seen what happened if Justin Fields is going to turn out to be a successful NFL quarterback it's going to be in spite of the way his career has begun that said things have gotten so bad in New York with Zach Wilson that the Jets coach, Robert Sala, is invoking the Bill of Rights when asked questions. Listen to this.
6: Not good,
3: not good, You've got Trevor Simeon
6: in your building. Why why not give him a try?
3: Fair question. You know, it's, uh, like I said, he, he, I don't know. You got me. I'm going to plead the fifth on all this one. They're valid questions, but I've got to look at it from a global standpoint and just see where we are.
6: That wasn't it. it, because later he, he's, it, again, like influenza, it just goes on and sort of like, yeah, my, you know, those questions make sense. Um, don't really have the answer for you, but um, I'll think about it. it this is, is the shame out of, of my control. It's a bug right now. It's a bug now.
5: That's the owner, Woody Johnson. That's the general manager, Joe Douglas. I have no control over who's going to be my quarterback moving but forward. But
6: you know what? What is a shame because I sat in this very seat early in the season, and you were saying they cannot stick with Zach Wilson. They have to get another option. And you and I went head to head. We said, I said they are going to stick with Zach Wilson. That's the plan. Whether you agreed with it or not, this is an organization who felt like we did everything we could to make Aaron Rodgers the answer. And it didn't work. And they didn't adjust with the plan B. The, the plan B was Zach. Unfortunately, the plan B was the plan Z. And that's.
1: Dan, I've been covering football 30 years. I've never heard a coach plead the fifth when asked about his quarterback. It's, I mean, it's literally unprecedented. Yeah,
4: I think. Great question by Michael K. For me, it's the difference between being a coach and being a fan. Even in when we're hearing his answer with Michael Kay, the highlight is Zach getting sacked and then a drop screen pass by Dalvin Cook. Right. So, like, the fan naturally goes, we have to get rid of the quarterback. This guy stinks. And the coach is going, I understand maybe the quarterback's not playing to the way that people want. But I'm also coming off of a game when our offensive line got absolutely embarrassed. Our tight ends couldn't block. We had plenty of penalties. Our best player fumbled the football. We had multiple drops, missed assignments, and we couldn't even get a snap sometimes. So we can sit here. I think Robert Sala is very aware of like, does he want the quarterback to play better? Sure. But playing Trevor Simeon is not going to get all those other variables. To perform at a higher level. I She's not. If you're,
6: if you're a Jets fan, you wanted to see something done from Joe Douglas beyond just getting Aaron Rodgers. Like the offensive line, sure. we didn't think it would be a, this concerning throughout the season, but trade deadline. No real moves, right? I think like, the
4: mistake is not getting Josh Dobbs. Like yes. if you, from the you from go. the a sixth yeah. round pick, right? I, I think th- that, that's that, what like Minnesota is a, gave up for him. I think that's a takeaway. You sit there and go, "Gosh, if they had Josh Dobbs." But if nothing changes, nothing changes. I mean, that's, that's a reality a too. That's the definition of well. insanity, though. Right. That's
6: what fans are saying. Like Trevor Simeon may not be the answer. But what we're watching week after
1: Zach week Wilson, not the answer. is not. That's the point. Well, Michael K. That was from the Michael K. Show on ESPN Radio in New York, and you heard him in his own voice. He was like, "Why not give try, Trevor yeah, Simeon?" T- he's not saying you have to play Trevor Simeon because he's going to be the second coming of Otto Graham. And I only say that because they both went to Northwest out of his control. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's my point. He's just saying, "Well, listen." I think the part with Dart.
4: Part of it is trying to figure out why not. Uh, maybe do they are they concerned that it's still a playoff contending defense? If Zach gets benched and is the season over, if Trevor doesn't do well, is it an Aaron thing? Like it, it would air, would it upset Aaron because they become potentially close? That's, That's an assumption, but yeah.
1: we, we, we'll find out. I, I got to leave it there for the moment. I, I still want to do this shoe battle because I'm not in a very good mood <laughs> today. And this will help. In the meantime, he is likely a lock to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Dan Orlovsky is going to show you why he takes it further. He thinks C.J. Stroud belongs. And the MVP conversation. And then,
5: like I said, I need to be in a better mood today, so give us a little taste of that boy bad. Just give me a little taste. Ooh, we're gonna go to the Alabama-LSU game yeah. quarterback, Jalen Milrow. 219 yards passing, but 20 carries, uh-huh. for 155 yards, and four touchdowns. Every time i seen a third and long, Jalen Milrow did it with his legs. He improvised. He found Jason huh. McClellan on the pass. But look at this. Look at this run. Don't you dare hit me. The Mack <laughs> truck coming through. Look at this one. That's Hell Perkins' Jones You gotta bring your A game, Harold Perkins Jr. When you trying to tackle Jalen Because that boy bad. Oh, coming up. Wait, wait, we gonna have some fun today, y'all. Man, that boy bad. Oh no, 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 no. Man, that boy bad. That. Boy, bad, boy. Oh, oh, damn, Greenie! That boy, bad. That boy, bad. My goodness, Greenie! Yeah, <laughs> boy, bad. So, watch it. Come here. I'm oh, going. Oh, my goodness. That boy, bad. Let's do it again. That boy, bad. <laughs>
1: All right, it is sweeping the nation, and it is ready to go. Harry Douglas.
5: Take it away. All right, here we go. Don't be mad at me, but I got to do it. We're going to go to Joey Bosa against your New York Jets. Two and a half sacks, a forced fumble. They couldn't block him. They didn't have an answer for him. Why? Number one, because his brother is Nick Bosa. That's little brother. But see, he big brother Joey Bosa, and we know those Bosa's dead. Boy, bad! I'm sorry, Greeny, I had to, do, to do this it. to you, How but did, I had to do it. I, Nothing I, I, personal, I, I Green. Everyone under protest. Nothing personal, just business. Okay, fair moving along. Kenny Moore was so unique about this situation. Young quarterback Bryce Young gave him two gifts. Not only did he catch it, he took it to the house, not once but twice while his sisters were in the building. Oh yeah. He has a twin, he had twin sixes and he did it while his family was in the building. Teddy Moore, to the 30, to the 20, to the 10, to the end zone. Why D-O? cause that boy yeah. And last but not least, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. We got C.J. Stroud. See, a lot of people wanted to question him when he came out in the draft. Yeah. Stupid people and stupid does. But let <laughs> me say this. This young man is playing unbelievable. Nobody in the history of the game has thrown for more yards. Uh-huh. Nobody in the history of the game has thrown for more touchdowns. Y'all want to know why? Because C.J. Stroud, dead boy bad. It was 40-something seconds left on the clock. C.J. Stroud said, I don't give a damn. Give me a I'm going to take him down. Where's my, where's my, where's my receiver we drafted? Boom, boom, boom. Boom. Fired it in there. Touchdown. One more time, Greeny. What? Yeah, boy.
1: Bang. He is every bit of that. Marcus Spears texted you. He's about to walk the dog. He did. I got to give did. him he that He walked credit. him right <laughs> down the field. A little later, Danny's going to have a touch screen on C.J. Stroud. But here's the deal. Not only is Stroud right now the overwhelming favorite to win rookie of the year at minus 1,000. He is also very much in the MVP conversation. Five players currently at ESPN Bet have odds shorter than 10 to 1, including a trio of quarterbacks bunched up at the top, led slightly by Patrick Mahomes. So I may very quickly ask the question before we make our picks. The answer is yes. All right, so so, the, so if the question was, does Stroud belong in the MVP conversation?
4: A hundred percent yes, and I'm going to give you the reasons. Number one, he was the second pick of the NFL draft. Right. Second pick of the draft, that team is four and four. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, number two, their offense is sixth in the NFL in scoring and their number one turnover offense in the NFL. That is very directly attached to the quarterback. The last part is this. I brought my notebook for notes because yeah. everyone thinks I'm, I'm stupid when I say this. Okay, right now, C.J. Stroud, second pick of the NFL draft for a 4-4 four and four football team. Yards, he's seventh. Yards per attempt, he's third. Yards per game, he's third. Touchdowns, he's sixth. Interceptions, he's first. Third downs, he's second. Rating, he's fourth. If you just took anybody else's name, yes. Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, yes. Josh Allen, exactly. Lamar Jackson, whoever, huh? they would be in the MVP conversation. They, I don't care if he's a rookie.
6: I think anybody who disagrees with what Dan just said is going to point to, well, it's the Texans or they're only four and four. The tape, if you watch the tape and if you look at his numbers, you cannot argue that he should not be in this conversation.
1: Yeah, he is very much at the MVP discussion right now. now all these things should be taken, as you say, on a relative Basis. We all thought that whoever went to Carolina was going into the good situation. Yeah. yeah. And I think the 4-4 four and four and four is in Remarkable is record. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. it. Yeah. If I were to ask you, because we're essentially at the midway point of the season, to name the MVP in the mm-hmm. league right now, you've got to vote. Who would you give it to? The Grim Reaper? Ooh, I know Joe who Burrow?
4: The fact that that football team did not collapse, given what happened in training camp, And then the first couple weeks of the season because of that calf injury. And Joe Burrow right now is hot. Just like to understand, he threw for 350 last week versus Buffalo. Yeah. 41 went to Jamar Chase. (laughs) 41 went to Jamar Chase. Also, they're finally protecting him. One sack and 46 dropbacks. He's got 12 touchdowns. I think right now we could legitimately say he's going to end the season with like 30 touchdowns and seven interceptions.
5: I see two eagles on my board. Harry. I'm going the wide receiver route. I'm going A.J. Brown. What he's meant to this football team, not only this year, but last year, over a 1,000 yards already, six touchdowns. I think his big playability, his strength catching the football, his ability to be the security blanket for Jalen Hurts is phenomenal. <laughs> and a lot of the reasons why they're in the position right now is because of A.J. Brown. Yes,
6: yeah, speaking of Jalen, I'm actually going with the guy who throws A.J. Brown the ball, Jalen Hurts. Now, when you look at this Eagles team, Jalen Hurts is 25 and two over his last 27 starts. Yeah. He is 10 and 0 against win against teams with winning records since 2022, I believe, um, since 2021. So, when you look at this team, the reason they're in any position to do anything, Harry. Is the quarterback?
1: Well, you just made my point. The, the only reason that another team is in any semblance of contention is the defense of the Pittsburgh Steelers, led by <laughs> T.J. Watt, wild, yeah. who's having a monster season. Well, when you say that boy bad, that offense is bad, Man. really bad. <laughs> Mike Tomlin is doing the coaching job of the millennium. This team is <laughs> tomlining their way all the way to the playoffs, and with or without a helmet, T.J. Watt is by far their best player. I'll hate, that one. Player. I'll hate that one. He'll never get it, but he deserves. All right, coming up, it is the biggest story of the year by far. Will today be judgment day for Jim Harbaugh and Michigan? The school has fired a warning shot at the Big Ten commissioner. Don't miss the details next